If you'll take your Bible, join me tonight again in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. And we are just having a good time in being overwhelmed. As many of you know, I I like old cars when I was a teenager. Me and Noah, we built cars together. And, uh, but, um. I always loved cars. I don't know why. When I was young, I was so ugly, nobody would go out with me, so I had the nicest looking car in all of Wilmington, California, so I had the best looking girls. Somebody said, did that make you feel bad? (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. And... um, I don't know if you remember the first Batmobile. It was customized and painted by Barris in Compton, California. Well, in 1957, I went down and bought a brand new 57 Pontiac. It was white, had a green stripe down it. I took it to Mr. Barris and said, paint it. That's all I said, just paint it. I went back about two weeks later, and it was five different colors of purple. (laughs) Overwhelmed, to say the least. Overwhelmed, to say the least. But as you know, uh, I like uh, messing with old cars and, and had a couple. Now I've got one. But uh, when my father died, he had an 82 model Ford truck. It was a farm truck, and to prove that, it still has farm tags on it. And uh, Jim and the lawn crew of the Joshua Baptist Church completed what my dad started. There was not a fender or a door that was not bent and messed up. So I got this bright idea that I would have it restored, and I did. I had it partially restored. I had the inside all redone, had the outside redone and all the chrome taken off of it and new bumpers, new chrome and everything. And uh, I really enjoyed driving it. Tonight I'm going to be talking to you about being overwhelmed. At a deacon's meeting not too many months ago, I drove my little brown truck to the deacon's meeting. On my way home, going about 60 miles an hour, suddenly there were three cows right in the middle of the road. There was only two cows left the middle of the road. (laughs) I am an animal activist. I do not believe in killing cows with my truck. But I waylaid that big old black cow right in the middle of the road. I was overwhelmed to say the least because it tore my truck all to pieces. Then I got great pleasure standing on the side of the road and seeing three different cars hit that cow laying in the middle of the road. 
Needless to say, I was not the only one that was overwhelmed that evening. (laughs) Have you ever been overwhelmed? Not having the resources by which to cope with your surroundings. I don't know if you know this or not, but it is a fact that all of us are a little psychotic. It's just some of us cope better with it than others. <laughs> now, I know that as I've been talking to some of you wives today, and you've been testifying. <laughs> let, me, let me read you some verses out of 1 Kings chapter number 19. And, of course, you know the context. Elijah has just had revival on Mount Carmel. He has confronted 850 false prophets single-handedly. He has challenged them to a face-to-face duel. And he has won hands down. It has not rained now for three years and six months in Israel at Elijah's request. The Bible said he prayed and it rained not for a space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and it rained. So Elijah has just finished one of the great revivals in all of Israel. And suddenly things takes a turn for the worse. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 1 through 4. Things suddenly take a turn for the worse. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and wherewithal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, came to Bathsheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. After the spiritual high in his life, after the, the greatest move of God in his life, after God has proven his faithfulness and power and provision, immediately after that, he's running for his life, scared of a woman, and finds a juniper tree and lays down underneath it and asks God, To take his life. Completely overwhelmed. Completely depressed. Completely burnt out. Completely of no value to himself. To God or society. And he got so low. He asked God to take his life. 
of things a turn for the worse. Now it makes no difference where you are tonight. Things can turn for the worse tomorrow. I mean, it may be shouting time today, but it might be a valley tomorrow. It might be prayer meeting at deacon's meeting and it might be a cow in the road. I'm reminded of being overwhelmed as I look across my fence and see my truck sitting next door with the hood off, the motor out and everything. Now it's still pretty and shiny because I paid a kid the other day to wax it. You say, why are you doing that? Because I'm fixing that sucker. Only this time I ain't halfway fixing it. We're going all the way, Jack. Now let's go on. If I wreck it next time, I will have a complete nervous breakdown. I won't just be overwhelmed. So things can take a turn for the worse. Second thing I'd like to show you in this chapter, verses 5 through 8, there's a touch for the weary. Notice, and the Bible said, and as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, Behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. Because the journey is too great for thee. Have you ever figured out yet that you can't handle this job all by yourself? Now, I didn't write that song. I never heard it. It's not a, I don't think it's a church song. I think it might be one of them other songs. Oh, you've never heard it either, huh? But many of us has the mindset that I, I really don't need anybody. That I I can handle this life and all of its ups and downs and in and outs and all of its difficulties. I can handle it all by myself. Well, I got news for you now. I want to tell you something. When things turn for the worse, you're going to need somebody. That's outside of this world. And I am so glad that in Elijah's lowest moment. God didn't preach to him. God didn't yell at him. God didn't spank him. And God didn't cuss him out for failure. And God didn't belittle him for his failure. And God did not look down on him because of his failure. Because all of us are just human beings to begin with. And there's no superhumans unless his name is Superman. And I'm glad that when we find that things turn for worse and we kind of get a little selfish and can't see outside. All we can see is inside. Me, mine, and mine. And when you start living inwardly, that's when you're going to have a turn for the worse. 
When you can only see what's going on in your life, when you can only experience what's going on in your life, and you don't reach out to others, folks, that's when you're going to find your juniper tree, crawl up under it, because life by itself is awful disappointing. Hmm? If you're ugly now, just wait till you get a little older. And if you're having trouble looking in the mirror now, you might as well sell that sucker because it ain't going to get any better. (laughs) You say, I got a lot of money. Yeah, but you can have so many facelifts, you'll run out of skin one of these days. (laughs) Amen. If you can do jumping jacks now, they won't be long till they'll be jumping mice because you won't be able to do that very long. And if you're having trouble now, Way to get a little age on you. And you can't do physically what you can do now. And you can't do mentally what you can do now. And you can't handle emotionally what you can handle now. Because when your strength begins to wane away, so does your capabilities emotionally and physically. And when things start turning for the worse, you will thank God There's somebody who loves you outside of this world. And the angel, notice in the first verse, an angel. But now notice in verse 7, look in your Bible. It's not a angel. Notice that verse 7, it's the angel of the Lord. Oh, it's that angel that was speaking in the burning bush. And Moses referred to him as Lord. You know who came to Elijah in his lowest moment? Jesus Christ. Pre-incarnate appearance. Came to a servant of God in his lowest moment and touched him. I read one time that God's no respecter of person. Now, I may not be Elijah, but I bet he ain't at no couch 60 miles an hour either. I have. (laughs) You say, you're not Elijah. I I preached to more people in one service than Elijah preached to in all of his life. I dare say probably I've had more people saved in my ministry than Elijah did in all of his ministry. No, I'm not Elijah. I'm a gene that Jesus Christ loves with all of his heart and loves me so much that he has a special angel that's in charge of me and my safety and my provision. They're called guardian angels. And are, do not we have a guardian angel? Those who are an heir of salvation. Thank God, bless the Lord. When I get down and lonely and nobody cares, seem, I know somebody does care. And when I make all the different dumb decisions and the mistakes in my life that I've made over these many, many years, thank God he loves me anyhow and cares for me anyhow. So, Notice, if you would please, we'll outline it like this, a turn for the worse in verses 1 through 4. And they did turn for a what? A touch for the weary 
in verses 5 through 8. Now, could I please spend just a little while tonight on tonight's lesson, A Table for the Wilderness. Verse 8 and 9. The Bible says, And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days, forty nights, unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither, and he came, and he came thither into a cave and lodged there. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here? And then he said, Elijah. I'm glad that my shepherd knows my name. And I'm glad he's not confused about who's in the cave. I'm glad he's not confused about when I get down, I'm glad he don't run over at John's house. I'm glad he knows whose house really needs a visit, don't you? Notice if you would please, I want to talk to you tonight about a food for the wilderness. Notice what it said. The Bible said in verse 5, And he lay and slept under the juniper tree, and behold, there an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. Have you ever heard that song in our songbooks called Come and Dine? That's almost the same as Arise and Eat. You know who said come and dine? John chapter 21. Would you look and see who it was? The master chef said come and dine. The master chef. How would you like to have some hush puppies and catfish fried by Jesus? A few uh, red beans, you know, and I bet you wouldn't have to worry about being too brittle or too soft or not done right. Have you got your Bible now? Take your Bible if you would please. Let's look at just a minute at what's going on. Verse 3, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. He's Baptist. The Lord has just risen from the dead. And Peter said, you know, not much use to go in, Father, our, our God died. And he's in a grave and he's appeared to them in the upper room and somehow another old Peter can't get together. Uh, Peter might be overwhelmed that Jesus hanging on the cross because he was looking for a, a conquering uh, king and not a suffering savior. He was not looking for Jesus to be put in Joseph's borrowed tomb. He was looking for Jesus to ride into town on a chariot pulled by prancing white horses with swords and armies following him to deliver them from the bondage of Rome. So I don't know what kind of mindset old Peter's got, but I know one thing. He's not interested in soul winning. He's going fishing, going back to his old trade, doing his old thing. And they went forth, and, and uh, they say unto him, We also go with thee. 
Well, the whole bunch, all the disciples, they gone fishing. They went forth into the ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. Wonder who had anything to do with that. And when the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus says unto them, children, have you, have you any meat? What he's saying is, you guys caught any fish? I bet they hated to say this. No. He said unto them, cast your net on the other side of the ship. You shall find they cast therefore. And now they were not able to draw in for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord, he girt his fishing coat upon him and was naked and he did cast himself into the sea. The disciples came in the little ship and they were not far from the land, but as there were 200 cubits dragging the net with fishes, as soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, 153 fishes. And for all there was so many, yet there was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, You guys look tired. You've been fishing all night. Your back slid. You ought not be fishing. You ought to be soul winning. I sent you to all the world and <laughs> you went fishing. He said, you guys look like you could stand a big D special. Come and dine. I bet you thought that Elijah is the only one that Jesus ever cooked for. That just goes to show you how much Jesus loves us. He became a servant. He cooked for them. Jesus then come and taketh bread and give them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Let me talk to you tonight about one issue. Elijah under the juniper tree, ready to die because things have turned for the worse. And the angel has touched him. And then he sets a table for the wilderness. Some of you folk look like you're in the wilderness tonight. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus Christ is the only one that can satisfy your soul. The master shelf knows just what to cook up to handle your deal. You don't or you would not be down in the mouth. For some of you to smile, I'd have to stand you on your head tonight. 
You know why? You've been hit in the face with an overwhelming situation. It might be a kid. It might be a grandkid. Walk into my living room anytime that Ben has been there. It will overwhelm you. If you can step on the floor without hitting a toy and sliding plumb to the bathroom. It may be a marriage. It may be sickness. It may be the economy. You might have voted for, let's go on. But I want you to know something. The Lord not only loves you and will touch you and try to help you. But tonight the issue totally is upon God's faithfulness. Is God faithful? Under that juniper tree, Elijah does no longer see anything but his world. He does not see God. He does not see man. He does not see the need. All he sees is Elijah. Read on in the chapter and you'll find Elijah saying, I only am left. I, dear God, I am the only hope you've got in all of Israel. I bet God said, but then I'm in trouble. Look at you. Looking inward. And tonight the issue is not can Jesus cook fish and hush puppies. Tonight will God make you a meal in your wilderness spiritually to get you over the mully grubs. And what clinical advisors would call depression or despondency or a mild case of discouragement. The question is, does God love you enough? Is God faithful enough to mean what he said when he said, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to what? His riches in glory. Now, is God faithful? That's the issue. Notice, if you would please, the issue is, is God still in the blessing business? Is God still in the supply business? Is God still in the provision business? And at this point of Elijah's life, The only issue is, is God faithful? Are the 30 some thousand blessings and promises in this book, can we depend on them? Is this the truth? Does God mean what he says? Let's just take a look. Last week I talked to you about how convincing are the provisions of God. 
There was a time in the building of all the buildings and purchasing of land and so forth and so on. There was a time when I I just lose sleep and I'd 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 be concerned about it. And the first thing Monday morning is I wanted to know what the offering was. I wondered if it was enough to pay the staff and enough to pay the the sinking fund payment and and enough to take care of the small utility bills that we're having back in those days, you know, five or six hundred dollar utility bills. And I almost worried myself sick about it. I was overwhelmed with those huge uh, electric bills of uh, five or six hundred dollars a month and the building payment of six hundred and some dollars a week. And and I just worried about that tremendously. And now I don't even know what our electric bill is. I think it's somewhere around ten to fifteen thousand a month. I asked Jim one day, I said, Jim, we were fixing air conditioners and I said, Brother Jim, would you see if Brother Brian could count the air conditioning units we have? He said, yeah. He reported next day, 42 air conditioning units plus, how many more we're putting in, Billy? Ten? You're in charge of the last ten. (laughs) Now I never, I never concern myself about the offerings. Uh, Now I, I, I never concern myself with those things in there. I just get a run out, print out every week of what we got left. I just believe if my motives are right and my heart is right, God always does right. And he said he'd provide our needs. You say, preacher, you're a dummy for going two and a half million dollars of debt at 74 years old. Ha! That's the time you need to go in debt. (laughs) Don't do it when you're 21. You'll have to pay it. (laughs) You say, preacher, what you going to do next? We already got third phase started, man. We already got that thing milling in, in, in the mill. You say, what are you talking about? I believe with all of my heart, God is faithful. Elijah didn't believe he was. Elijah thought he was the only one left. Dear God, look at me. Everybody else is rotten and no good. Look at me. How convincing is the provisions of God? I told you last week. He was convinced of God's sympathy. He realized God loved him. When he touched him, he realized, are you convinced tonight that God really loves you? If he loved you before you were saved and you were sorry, why wouldn't he love you tonight when you're still not so sorry, but you're not as sorry as you used to be? Come on now, say amen. When I was without, the Bible said he commended his love 
toward me. And that while I was yet a sinner, what? Christ died for my sin. So now that I'm trying to live for him, surely, surely he can prepare me a spiritual meal in the wilderness of my life. Convinced of his sympathy, convinced of his sensitivity. He touched Elijah. And thirdly, he was convinced of his strength. He helped Elijah. Review the records, if you would please, and all the word of God and see if God ever left one of his children out on a limb. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Is there anybody here tonight? And you might have found you a juniper tree someplace, but I want you to know tonight, God will provide. And we need to convince ourselves of that from the word of God. Notice, last, notice tonight, how considerate are the provisions of God. Secondly, how considerate are the provisions of God. Think of this just a minute. The consideration of his grace. How many of you folk deserve what God's done for you? Uh, None of us deserve what God has done for us. Is that not so? And notice, when Elijah had the strength to do something about his situation and chose not to, God chose to do it. That's grace. When Elijah could have got up and done what God told him to do, go where God told him to go and get his eyes off himself, get them on God. When he could have done that, he did not do that. And God still helped him. Isn't that something? That's grace, folks. That's grace. I was reading today a a book on... uh, living a victorious life. And it was a lady, about a lady who came out of Mormonism and, uh, and how that uh, they can misconstrued uh, all the teachings of Mormonism and, and how that uh, she came out of that thing and she found out that she's saved by grace and not of works, lest any man should boast. And oh, some of we who have been saved by grace, we sin against grace on a regular basis. Sin against grace. Realizing God is so good, we take God for granted. Not believing that God is a righteous, holy God, a just God. Not believing that anymore. We just believe he's a great, big, happy, grandfatherly God with a big beard. Just standing up there with a great, big bucket pouring money out on us. And we can get away with anything. We can do the thing we want to because God loves us. Sometimes love is tough. Sometimes it takes a real good overwhelming to get our attention. Come on now, you know what I'm talking about. Buddy, I would do anything other than look into the face of one of my kids and see that look of disappointment because of a God-rejecting daddy. Listen to me now. 
consideration of his grace. Notice, secondly, the consideration of his goodness. The Lord cooked him a meal. He ought to have been the one cooking the meal for the Lord, but the Lord cooked him a meal. Hmm? Is God good to you? The Bible said the goodness of God leadeth to repentance. Why is it most of us need the death of a child to get our attention and not the goodness of a child? Why is it David had to look into his baby's face? And say, well, I can't bring him back, but I can go where he is. Why did David have to look in the eyes of Absalom hanging from that tree with Joab's darts to his heart and said, Absalom, Absalom, my child, would God I die for thee? Why do we wait? Why do we think we can get away and get away and get away and do it and do it? And God won't do anything in return. The goodness of God ought to lead us to repentance. Oh man. Isn't it a shame that we have to be overwhelmed with a catastrophe or a a sickness or a hurt before we ever turn to God when the goodness of God. Elijah, do you believe God is good? Sure do. He doesn't cook me dinner. Do you believe in grace? Sure. He came to me. I didn't go to him. He found me in the wilderness. Where did he find you? Found some of you in a bar, hanging over a bar stool. You had you just desert, you'd have died. Somebody split your head with with a beer bottle. Found some of you in a divorce court. Some of you in a jailhouse. Some of us. He just picked us up off the slums of this old world and he loved us, bless your heart. Why in the world can't we allow the goodness of God? And why can't we serve him because he's good? Why can't we be faithful to him because he's good? Notice the consideration of his gentleness. I'm glad God deals with us gentle. I I won't take the time tonight but God told Elijah, said, what are you doing here? He said, get out of that cave. Get out in front of that cave. Remember the Bible said, and God passed by. Remember that? God passed by. When God passed by, there was an earthquake that shook the ground and absolutely split the rocks into pieces. The Bible said, but God was not in the earthquake. Then the fire burnt and Absolutely scorched the mountain as it did once before in Moses' day. Same mountain, by the way. Same cave Moses was in, by the way. When the smoke cleared, the wind blew. The Bible said he was not in the wind. Listen to the gentleness of God. And there was a still, small voice. God is gentle. Thank God he's gentle. Thank God he's good. And thank God for his grace. 
I close. You say, you already closed three times. That's twice more than Sunday. How complete is the provisions of God? How complete are the provisions of God? The Lord completely served Elijah. Elijah did not serve God. God served Elijah. God took care of Elijah. Elijah didn't have to go fishing and get the fish. He didn't have to make the need the bread or the dough to make the cakes. Elijah just woke up and it was angel food cake on the fire. Hmm? You know, Ozarker water bottle sitting. What did we do and what did we carry our water in before there was bottled water? Man, I see women walk around with a bottle this big sucking on that sucker. And men with bottles in their shirt pockets and stuff. And I just, what did we do? Man, there must have been a lot of thirsty folk when I was a kid. And you say, well, it's healthy. Well, same amount of folk dying that died back then too. How did we make it before cell phones and bottled water? I don't know how we did it. But the Lord completely served Elijah. He prepared the meal. Could have closed with this. He completely satisfied Elijah. He satisfied Elijah with a table for the wilderness. Now next week we'll talk about a truth for the willing. A truth. Father, we're living in a day when people believe a lie for the will of the truth. Reader's Digest this month has a professional con man who got caught and went to jail. And now he's out and he's teaching our government and others about the tricks of the trade of being a con man. He said, you never con a stupid person. Most generally, they don't have anything to get conned. He said, you con the intelligent, the rich, the achievers, and the elderly. And boy, there are many charlatans on television claiming to be preachers, claiming to preach and teach the Word of God that are nothing short of professional convents.